We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to your Thursday podcast edition. Usually it would be myself, Jordan Zerm, and Andrew Spade. But again, we are one member short, so we will get to that in just a little bit. But we got a lot to talk about in this show. We're going to go through wrapping up the Colts game from Jordan's perspective a little bit. We're going to talk about what happened in Berea today, all the announcements made, who's practicing, who's not, the implications of which. And then we will go through, look ahead, how the Browns beat the Seahawks as best we can from a preliminary standpoint. And then after that, we're going to look around as the AFC North, the best division in football. And then who are the serious Super Bowl contenders now seven weeks into the football season going into week eight? A lot to, to parse apart here. I think we got some good stuff, good content between myself and Jordan. It's going to be a good show. And let's get going with the latest OBR film breakdown. What's up, guys? We are live. Welcome in. Thursday edition OBR Film Breakdown. I'm here with Jordan Zerm. Feels a little throwback, Jordan. What's up, man? How are you? It is a little throwback, man. Just uh, you and I. No Andrew. Um, I haven't been on the pod in a, in a handful of weeks. Um, my voice has gotten... How's baseball been treating you? It's been wild. Di- Diamondbacks, Rangers. Who'd have thought? Listen, I am um, a little bit bummed the Phillies didn't make it because they just had a bunch of dinger dudes, I like to call them, just dudes hitting homers. Um, so I'm a little, I'm a little dismayed that they uh, are not going to be in the World Series because that's just a style of baseball that I find really fun. But yeah, man, I mean, I know some people complain about it, about like anything could happen in the playoffs, but I think it's the only sport where that's kind of true and it's kind of awesome. So I'm all about it, man. I'm glad not to have to like watch the Astros again. Um, should be a really fun couple of teams that haven't been there in a really long time. Rangers have never won a World Series, so like it should be, it should be pretty fun. Who the Guardians going to hire? Big managerial thing coming, right? Who are they going to bring in? Craig Council's um, name came up today, I saw. It did. The hot rumor was, um, I believe, Stephen Vogt, I think is how you pronounce his last name. It's V-O-G-T. He's yeah. a longtime catcher. Yep. Um, he's been on the Mariner staff for the last few years. Uh, they, I know they interviewed him twice. Um, not sure, like, where that stands. But, um, man, I, I will say, Jake, of all sports, like, when they talk about managerial candidates in baseball, there's so many bench coaches and people I've never heard of before in my life that I'm just like, yeah, sure. For sure. Like, sounds good. Like, you know, I just am like, I have no idea. So, um, the correlation between like 
utility players who are random call-outs in the MLB yes. grid game, right? If you know these managers and the 17 <laughs> yeah. teams they played for, you have a chance. So that's fun. I hope the Guardians make a good – I hope they look outside the organization. It would be great to get a little fresh blood in there. All right, so let's dig in on actual football. I want to give you a chance. Uh, I talked about this with Andrew. It was as, as wild a game in the NFL as you'll ever see. Eight lead changes. Doesn't happen very often that way. Felt like maybe I think the the, the point was 21 21- – I think you were at that game, obviously, when the Browns went out to play L.A. in the Chargers. In that game, that uh, Yes, I was at that game. High scoring back and forth felt pretty similar to that. So, yeah, just your takeaways. You've watched the film. What you thought of the game overall? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a pretty emotional roller coaster. I, I went for the first time out here. There's a Browns backers bar uh, in Hollywood called St. Felix. Nice. Um, and I went there to watch a game. I've been meaning to do it. Just have I worked. Obviously, I worked at the NFL for the first three years I was out here. So never had a chance to do it. So, um and it was quite the game to watch with like a large crowd because it was so like, you know, you have the drum for touchdown and you're on this high and then immediately, <laughs> immediately the, um, the offsides that leads to a Josh Downs long touchdown pass. It felt like that happened maybe three seconds later. So I think, I think it was, it was an interesting game because like you saw some cracks in the defense for the first time, maybe all, all season long. Um, just in terms and, and really frustrating cracks, like just how much trouble Minshew gave them in the RPO game and the, and the sort of zone read stuff. And, um, just some of the things, I mean, Josh Downs, hell of a receiver, but like they had these guys, they had Minshew out here looking like Lamar Jackson on a couple plays. And I was just, um, uh, I was like, what's going on boys? Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, this season has just been so because of the uncertainty at quarterback. And then again, I mean, five passes in it's PJ Walker's back out there. And you're like, you just have no idea what to expect. Um, you have no idea what your offense is going to give you. Um, you know, after, I think you mentioned on Twitter, like after that Jerome Ford run, they really just have been struggling. They were behind the sticks so many times on first and second down uh, when they were trying to run the ball and they're taking losses. And then you just put your offense in a third and, you know, long and you just, with PJ Walker, it's just so, so difficult to feel like you're going to convert those. So, I mean, I, I, it's wild because these are the type of wins that don't usually happen for the Browns, like San Francisco missing the field goal at the end of last week. And then you get a couple calls that go your way. And I truly like, do not care about, they missed them. Like, sure. If you're mad about a call, that's cool. Whatever. I do not care. But like, those are the type of things that like, as a Browns fan, you just never really think are going to happen. So on that end of it, it's really cool because like these things are happening that usually don't. Yeah. Uh, just from a luck perspective, and that's awesome. But the other part of it, right? And I think a lot of Browns fans probably feel like this: is there there's that in between area where you're like, cool, they're, they're four and two. They've won some really wild games that like in the past they lose. But man, the quarterback situation and this offense going forward, it's just like, what is it going to be? How much better can it? be is Deshaun gonna play again like all of these things so I think that puts a little bit of a damper on it but listen four and two is four and two man I think you tweeted like no one is ever gonna apologize for a win we've seen too many losses season after season so four and two is awesome the crowd at the spar was awesome it was fun to be around Browns fans I don't get to do that as much anymore so um so it was a good time very strange four and two I think is the way you can put it happy to be four and two but you would ask some people last year when the Browns were, pro- I don't know if they got to two and four, but they were, there was something like that. And you thought they were playing well. And you're like, this team is better than that. Well, you're looking at four and two this year. And you're like, this team might not be as good as that. So the, the yin and yang of the NFL, which can trick you, we're going to kind of talk about that with the AFC North here in a little bit. Um, 
we should really dive into real quick what's what the look ahead here is. So the biggest piece of information that comes out around Berea today is that, that Deshaun Watson is now back on not practice watch. Like he's just, he's not doing anything. He's rehabbing. And again, read a, a, a personal story about this stuff. Like this is going to happen. You know, um, I would say it's a pretty big, not to say that anybody's at fault. It's a pretty big whiff to have had him out there. If this is how quickly he has to be shut down again. Let's say that it's like a pitcher coming back and then gets out there, throws three pitches, and then, and then they're walking the training staff out because he can't do it. So something went wrong. Something went wrong. So that part of it is really unfortunate. Does it go from now being if they IR'd him for four weeks, brought him back after six, he could have a chance to be fine. Now maybe it's like like nine, ten weeks. I don't know, Jordan. We don't know anything right now. But what we do know is he's once again shut down and that they've essentially named P.J. Walker the starter today. Kevin Stefanski said in his Time with the media. PJ is going to start this week. Deshaun's going to focus on his rehab. I just feel like with what happened in the game, landing on his shoulder, I still don't know. I mean, I guess his right arm kind of break. I, I didn't I feel like it was watching a... it back. It's it's weird because it's like yeah, but the head was the. I mean, it's not like the shoulder hit in a way where you're like, ooh, the shoulder. Yeah, you know, like that was very odd. I thought the shoulder was in more of a vulnerable position on the screen pass a couple of plays yep. before that. So anyway, lands on his shoulder. He says. Stefanski continues, there's residual swelling that's affecting his throwing. So if the swelling's back off of a hit that I didn't even think was that bad, it's pretty clear this guy can't get touched. If he gets touched, it's going to get worse again. And then he'll play, and it'll get worse again, and he'll keep trying to battle this whole thing here. But if it's a guy like Watson, who I would imagine you, like me, Jordan, watch much of his his tape this year, like he takes hits sometimes of his own I'm not even blaming him for the hit that hurt him, right? That's a that's a interesting situation where I thought he he was bracing for a hit that he didn't think was going to happen. Then all of a sudden he got hit after some guys cleared out down the middle of the field. But he'll take some hits against pressure, rolling out, trying to keep a play alive. And this is what happened. Could have ran out of bounds. Could have just tossed it away. He has to change his entire DNA as a quarterback to get through this injury. That is my number one concern. The biggest concern off of this is the fact that people would be like, well, if we just wait four weeks and we get Watson back, you think Watson's coming back like a Tennessee game, Watson, which is the first like taste of maybe this guy's going to be okay again. That is not the version you are getting. You are getting a guy who has to completely change his frame of mind around playing the position to protect the shoulder, which is really dangerous, is not good. And, you know, the, the, essentially what Kevin and company decided, Jordan, was, well, at this point, PJ is just going to give us the best chance to win. Yeah, like if this was – put it this way. If this was Patrick Mahomes and this happened – and he was cleared in the tent, they're bringing him back in. I think that there's a, there's a concern from Kevin and company about whether he can manage to play with this injury. So they talk about the swelling. He said, I think it's best for him to rest this week and focus on the rehab. So we're still like looking at it from a week's perspective. Continuing, Kevin, as I've told you guys, I'll make that. Uh, sorry, he'll say, I always make what I think is the best decision for our football team for Deshaun, and I feel like this is the best decision for this week. So they continued to call him day-to-day. Stefanski continued on. I've talked to Deshaun every day. Like I mentioned to you guys, he wants to play very badly. He also wants to – or sorry, he also knows to, that rehab is the decision for this week, but he's going to do everything he can to support his teammates. He's a captain of the team. He provides great leadership. He wants to be out there and play very badly. but just has to make sense for the focus of the rehab for now. And then he said, essentially, PJ's the starter. Sometimes as a backup, you get the amount of lead time that you need. Sometimes you don't. It's just the life of a quarterback in the big city. When it comes to backup quarterbacks, you just have to be ready to go. So he'll prepare like he always does. 
Dorian will prepare like he always does, but PJ will start this week. So that's the only piece of chunky news. Uh, we got a lot of injuries to talk about in a minute, but I want your reaction to it. Like, it's pretty clear this is a setback now. Can't call it anything other than a setback if he's now focusing on rehab after coming into the game prepared to start. And it feels to me like Deshaun Watson is a lotto ticket. Maybe you get him back at the end of the year and he's something of relevance, but right now he feels like a scratch off. Like, I don't know if you're ever going to get the version back this year. You can get it back over time. He can get surgery done. He can do some things to get the shoulder right and be fine going into next year. But for the sake of three months window of football time here, Jordan, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. And this feels like an injury that to let it fully heal, you know, like to, for him to be able to play like he wants to play his shoulder needs to be fully healed. There has to be no swelling. He has to be able to feel like he can drive and he can make the throws. And like that to me is where you, if you have to rest him until that happens and yeah, I have no idea what that window is, but it is not a one to two week window. I think also, I think it was also as for Kevin, watching Deshaun those first five passes and then taking them out. I think it was almost like as much mental as it was physical too, because I think you just saw literally on the first pass, you know, I don't know if he was actually trying to complete it. Like Ford was kind of covered up there. I don't know if that was going to be a positive completion, but just the way he threw it, you just kind of were like, Hmm, you know, it just made you were like, that doesn't look like a normal throwing motion. That ball goes straight into the ground. Um, then you see him try to, you know, roll out to the right, throws a ball late, doesn't have a lot of, you know, doesn't have the velocity that I think he would have liked to put on it. And I, I just wonder, like you said, like he can't play like that with his shoulder the way it is. Um, and the other thing that this goes back to, Jake, which is I think the most infuriating, probably for him, also for us as fans, is like he just keeps missing time. And so you had yep. he had the six games last season and it was like, oh, boy, you know, like he's going to need a lot of reps. But cool, we've got the whole offseason, we've got the preseason, and then here's the season. He's going to have to play to work himself back to what he wants to be. You started to see it a little bit in the Tennessee game, and now he's in and out. Uh, he's practicing, then he's not practicing. Like, it is just such an uphill climb for him right now to get anywhere close on a consistent basis to, like, what the Browns thought they were getting when they paid all that money. And that's what's really, really difficult. Not only does he have an injury to a throwing shoulder, which like is tough in itself, but he's not getting reps. He's already so far, so far behind the eight ball, just like trying to work his way back into form. If he misses, who knows how many more games, but just like to the timing and the rhythm and everything, it's just going to be so hard for him to get back. And like that to me is what's such a bummer. I, I, I know there's lots of people who, seem to think there's like some weird conspiracy going on with the Browns and Deshaun and playing him. I don't think there's any of that. I literally think it's, they didn't understand what the injury was and the extent of it before that Baltimore game ruled him out really late. And it's been a week to week thing where they haven't fully understood like what the extent of the injury is and if he can throw, if he can't. And then I think they were probably like, Oh boy, uh, against the Colts. Like we've, this was a mistake and we're taking him out. I think they use that hit maybe as an excuse, like you said, because he got cleared, but it was like, nope. And I think when you have something like this, it's just hard to fully understand what it's like until you get him in the game action, even when he throws in practice. So it's frustrating, man. And the lack of information by no fault of anybody, I think this is just an injury where a lack of information exists, um, but it, it creates a void. And when you don't, and when you have a void of information, it makes it, really hard and really frustrating. And I think that's where everybody kind of is right now. So last game in a Texans uniform, 
was the 2020 season, but it was actually the 2021 calendar year. It was the 3rd of January. Since then, there have been 41 NFL games. How many do you think he's played? Six plus. How many did he play this year? Four, three? So he's played nine. Nine of yeah. the last 41 regular season NFL yeah. games. You're you're talking about historic territory here for length of time missed. Not, I mean, this is an injury, but he sat out voluntarily 2020. 2021, the NFL made him sit out. He needs reps. He needs NFL reps in the worst way. And that's where the biggest frustration comes from this whole situation. He feels like he should be able to go. He feels like he should be able to go, but he can't. And like this thing is going to linger. And maybe this game is a wake-up call to him. Like he he started to feel right again Thursday. I'm sure he got really excited about that Friday. Then you go out there and you take a hit and you're like, I can't take these hits. Like he can't get hit on that arm. He has to almost Tom Brady it from last year. Now, if you look at Tom Brady, his time to throw last year was like 2.3. It was wicked. He was throwing the ball so fast. <laughs> yeah, it was like snap. Oh, throw. Yeah, yeah, dude. He was getting rid of that thing like ridiculously fast. And again, that's sometimes a detriment to your offense more than it helps. But He's going to have to play that way. He cannot play the old way. And maybe that's a wake-up call to him. This, this situation happened there because not only was the ball not coming out right, he was still trying to play the football game like old-school Deshaun Watson. And he can't right now. So maybe he learns. Maybe he doesn't. But what I do know, it's hard to learn when you're standing on the sidelines and you're in the training room and you've missed, what, 31 of the last 41 regular season NFL games. That's jarring to think about how long he has been missing time. That that is that does it's think about how different the NFL was in just 2020 compared to where yep. it's at now. What's done, what's moving, the rules that have tweaked, how defenses are playing as a whole, right? The 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 too high revolution that happened, right? It's just it's crazy. It's crazy and he is so far behind and what he needs more than anything was in my opinion to play this year to to really get out there and play and now he's not, and he's he's in a really rough situation. So anyway, let's keep keep it moving forward. We have the injury report. There are quite a few of them, folks, and actually for both sides. So on the Brown side, you had rest guys. So the veterans, Betonio, Cooper, Zadarius, are the rest players. So they're not hurt necessarily, even though Amari Cooper's listed with an ankle. They're just uh, doing the, the uh, veteran situation. Now, did not practice guys. Jerome Ford with the ankle. He's still in a boot. Marquise Gooden with a back designation. Kareem Hunt with a thigh designation. Njoku with a knee. Taki Taki, a hamstring still bothering him. And then Watson with the shoulder. Limited practice players. Oba Okoronkwo. Uh, Anthony Walker with a shoulder. Um, Okoronkwo was ribs. And then he took a nasty. That, he had a we- really weird hit on a chip block that caught him off guard. And then... Yeah. Uh, the only other limited was uh, Jedrick Wills with a foot ankle designation. Um, Alex Wright is fully practicing with a concussion protocol designation. So he looks like he's on track to play. And then Tony Fields fully practiced with a hip injury. And then Harrison Bryant also with a hip injury fully practiced. Now on the Seahawks side, rest players, Jamal Adams, who's been working his way back and is playing, but they're going to take it easy with him. So he is, uh, he is practicing some of these guys' names. I don't know. So Jones 55 here. Uh, defensive end, he's got a rest designation. Uh, Jaron Reed is a nose tackle, is a rest designation. The big names that didn't practice for them, Bobby Wagner, Uchenna Wosu, who I believe with the pectorals about to be put on the IR. So he's a nice player for them. So he's not practicing. The The bummer here is DK Metcalf fully went today. So he's going to play. That's um, not a wide receiver. I think the Browns are going to handle very well. They have not handled those big body types 
in a way that you would uh, you would like to see. Noah Fant has a toe, but he was limited. Uh, Zach Charbonnet running back, a limited designation. And then uh, Jordan Brooks, a linebacker for them, is a nice linebacker. He's got a calf. He's limited. But uh, the DMP side, Lockett with a hamstring. So if Lockett were to potentially miss, we'll see. I don't know. I saw him walking. He seemed fine. But, again, that's just walking. Those are the bigger names. So not uh, too crazy. I know their offensive line has been beat up before, but I think they're getting healthier now. But that's the injury list. And Go ahead. And today they also they signed uh, Frank Clark. They did today, um, as well. They did. Um, so I don't know how you know how much he'll be involved this week, but it's a notable signing for them. Need it, right? Especially like I said, if Inwos is going to be uh, put yep. on IR, so they're, they're very good defense. One of the best success rate defenses in the league right now, playing good football. Run run defense really is stellar. So the Browns yep. are practicing pretty much Pierre Strong and Jordan Wilkins. So it's going to be it's going to be a real challenge up in Seattle that's already a tough place to play when you're down significantly in the running back department, you're down significantly in the quarterback department. So we'll see, man. You've got to keep your fingers crossed. You're four and two. You're, you feel fortunate now that that indie game went the way that it went. But in your early thought here, Jordan, like beating Seattle, what does it take? Cause I watched the Arizona game. I don't know if you spend any time watching it, but Geno Smith's not playing too well. He's kind of, no. he's hit and miss this year. I know that they were down DK last week, but, I don't think Geno's playing infallible football right now. The offensive line there at full strength is okay. They're a little beat up still. I think you got a chance to pressure them. I don't really know how they're going to move the football on offense. I've got no answer. I really, it's an athletic secondary group for them. They really play hard up front. Their linebackers, especially with Bobby back there now this year, is um, you know is an asset to what they're doing. You guys want answers for offense? I don't have them right now especially considering they're down another running back in the way that they are. But defensively, I think they do stand a decent chance to, to keep Seattle the way Arizona did. And Arizona missed some opportunities to create some turnovers. At least I think they have a chance here. So I don't know if you thought much about this, what it's going to take DK coming back is not a good omen. I will say that. No, that's tough. Um, I do think the one benefit of Geno is he'll give you, he'll give you some balls to pick off. Like he'll, he's going to make some throws. Now he's been, you know, he makes tight window throws. He'll, he's pretty, he's getting pretty confident in that area, but he'll, he'll give you a couple. So, you know, hopefully there's a turnover battle that can be won. Um, I don't think Kenneth Walker is the most efficient running back in the entire world. Um, so I think there's, there, hopefully there's opportunities both in slowing him down and forcing Gino to make some tough throws on some third downs. Um, like you said, on the offensive side. Yeah. Uh, Great timing to not have uh, Jerome Ford. I, I'm assuming, I don't know if Kareem Hunt, I'm assuming he's going to play, but I know he's not practicing. So um, going up against maybe the best run defense in the NFL. So that's great. I think um, I think what the Browns are going to have to do, because I mentioned it earlier, like they cannot put themselves behind the sticks on first and second down. They can't do it. And if their run game is getting blown up and they're that's happening to them early on, I think they got to pivot real quick and they got to start using short passing game as their run game. Like they've had some success with PJ in, in past weeks. Well, I guess the past two weeks that he's played in some of those shorter, like tight end screens, just kind of quick screens, that type of game. Um, I think the thing with PJ, sometimes you don't know where the ball's going, even when it looks like a pretty simple pass, um, which can make those things difficult. But I, I think hopefully with a full week of practice under his belt for the first, really the first time, um, that will make a difference. But I just, the way they put themselves in some of those third and longs against the Colts, like you can't, 
you can't do it. <laughs> you can't do it against the Seahawks, not in that environment, not against that defense. So yeah. uh, that's as, that's all I can see them trying to do on offense because otherwise it could be it could be really tough. I, I forgot to mention uh, Kenneth Walker also has a calf issue he's dealing ah. with, so he was a DMP today. So that one matters too. But yeah, I'm with you. They're going to have to find some ways to be efficient early down throwing. Now, they were actually relatively okay on first down ball movement last week, but I think it counted five times where they took a zero or negative rush on second down, and that just kills you. It kills you to go, you know, getting it to second and five is fun, but then, oh, man, now it's third and seven. Now it's third and six. It's just not where they can be. They can't live in that world right now. So, uh, yeah, we'll watch more tape and have a more thorough answer and get some insights from a – uh, you know, a, a source close to the team on Friday when we do behind enemy lines. And then Saturday, we'll talk a little more in depth about this, but they present some real challenges on top of being a team that you have to travel three time zones to play and a unique home environment. And they're four and two and feeling themselves a little bit here. So uh, yeah, this is going to be a challenge. It's going to be one of the harder challenges they've seen this year. So, okay, we're going to take a break, come back from break. And then we have a couple around the NFL things to talk about. Just two bigger questions that, Uh, I think are worth answering. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging. So you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view, which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money. Right, It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that GameTime app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account. Redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com. It is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
So the AFC North's off to a pretty good start here, Jordan. I mean, when you're three and three Bengals are the bottom team in the division, you feel pretty good about how the division looks on paper. They've been saying this is the best division in football. The question is, do you believe that? Because, you know, if you look around, the AFC South surprisingly has the five and two Jags, the three and three Texans, a pretty competitive three and four Colts. The Titans are a wash. AFC West, Chiefs six and one, and then everybody else is under 500. AFC East has the Dolphins and Bills, who are over 500. Obviously, the Dolphins five and two, Bills four and three. Jets are three and three. Patriots are two and five. Coming off a big win, though. The other competition was the NFC East, but the Commanders and Giants are under 500. Cowboys four and two, Eagles six and one. NFC West, 49ers and Seahawks doing well. Rams three and four, Cardinals one and six. I mean, most of these divisions don't have the depth. I mean, I guess you can say that on paper. I mean, the NFC North, you have the Lions, and then everybody else is under 500. NFC South, you got the Falcons at four and three, Bucks at three and three, Saints at three and four, and the 0 and six Panthers. So, yeah, I mean, on paper it is, but do we really believe? Let me put it this way. I think we believe the Ravens are a pretty strong contender, right? You can feel that way. Amar playing great ball. Is there a second real contender here? Because the Browns and Steelers are four and two, but they have warts, man. They have real warts here. Are the Bengals the the, the second most serious contender at three and three? You probably, just based on quarterback play, have to say yes to that, right? Yeah, I, I would say definitely yes, especially – they're coming off their bye, Joe Burrow, just as he was getting that calf stronger. And now he had a, you know, they had a week off um, and now he's back. I just think like if he's healthy and that calf is, you know, back to close to full strength, I think that's going to make a huge difference. Um, the Bengals go to the 49ers, host the Bills, host the Texans who are playing good ball, and then to the Ravens before another. Oof. Then they have another uh, AFC North. Now they, they get the Steelers at home, but those are always tough. Then you go to the Jags. So that is a wow. really okay. challenging well, six-game yeah. six stretch for them. I think they have one of the hardest remaining schedules, if I recall. Okay. Um, yeah, I, that definitely makes a difference. I mean, to try and get through that unscathed is going to be really difficult for them. Then they, um, they host the Colts. Th- they, go, they host the Colts and Vikings. Then they go to the Steelers, and then they travel to Arrowhead. And then they get the Browns at home. That's tough. That's a tough run, Jordan. That's tough. That's a tough run for them. Um, so, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe they're sitting in the cellar at the end of the year just because of what their schedule looks like. I still cannot figure out how the Steelers are winning football games. I watched a lot of that Rams-Steelers game, and you're just like, what? my no. goodness. Doesn't make sense. So that 4-2 and two feels even more fluky than the Browns 4-2. and two. And I don't even think the Browns 4-2 and two is that fluky. Obviously, there's some luck involved, but they played really well in some of those games. So um, I, I don't – I'm not just being a hater. I just don't believe in that Steelers team, especially offensively. So um, I would say just from a straight-up, like, they have their quarterback in place. You, you've seen what that offense can do when they're healthy and in, in a rhythm. Like – the Bengals are that team, but that schedule is pretty brutal. Um, Steelers go Jags. They host the Jags, host the Titans. Um, I mean, the Jags game will be tough. And then they host the Titans, host the the Packers, who are not a very good football team, travel to Cleveland, travel to Cincy. So those are two challenges. Then they get the Cardinals at home, the Patriots at home, go to the Colts, host the Bengals, go to the Seahawks, go to the Ravens. That one's sort of balanced, right? There's certainly games on there. You see that they can win and, some that are, are, are road contests that I don't think are going to be very, very easy for them. And then, you know, a pesky team like the Packers could always come in and beat them at home. So, yeah, that's an interesting one, but certainly not as bad as 
you know, as bad as what the Bengals are dealing with. But yeah, that I couldn't believe they Oh my god. They came out there and got that game done. You know, that that TJ Watt interception where he's just staring at it like ugh, gross. But I guess the question though, is there a division that rivals this? I don't know that there is. I I really don't I don't think there is. I think like some of the divisions have better top two teams, but then the bottom of their divisions sort of falls completely out. Like I think yet you mentioned NFC West, you look at the 49ers and Seahawks, two really strong teams, but the Rams ever since that first game of the season have kind of really like struggled a little bit. Um, Everybody was sort of Matt Stafford's back, baby Rams are back. And it, and it just has not happened. And then obviously you have the Cardinals and our dear friend, Josh Dobbs, who after a, a hot start has come back down to earth a bit. So I think the bottom of some of those divisions, um, the floor is much lower than what the AFC North is. So I would say just top to bottom, quality wise that yeah the afc north is is probably the top division of football interesting stuff so i think what we should do here is put uh, the odds on winning this division it's going to the ravens right now for pity pitting odds but who's your wild card team so the, you feel best about the Bengals? how are you slating the finish of this division right now before you brought up their schedule yeah i i definitely was i mean i think you know with the browns remaining schedule let me remind Obviously everybody this, of that real quick. Yeah, so, let's if you want, if you want to run through that real quick. Yeah, awesome. at Seattle, host Arizona, go to Baltimore, host Pittsburgh, go to Denver, go to L.A., host the Jags, host the Bears, travel to the Texans, host the Jets, go to Cincinnati. Again, kind of yeah. like Pittsburgh where there's some very particular ones you feel good about, and then there's some that you don't feel so good about. So, yeah, yeah I, th- it, I think the Browns are a realistic 10-win team. Uh, without Deshaun mm-hmm. and the best best version you're going to get of this team is 10 wins. The, probably the worst is eight. Yeah. I I mean, I'll, I'll be very interested to see how the Bengals look um, out of the bye. And, and you said they're playing the 49ers this week. Is that they're going to, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's tough. Um, but I think like they just, that offense just has so many weapons. And I, do, I really do think those first like three weeks, Joe Burrow was not just not a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> like, Similar to Deshaun in a way where, like, I don't actually know if he should be out there because he can't do the things he wants to do. So yeah. I think if, if like if he's healthy and they're clicking, then just because they have that pedigree and they've done it before, I would probably give them the highest odds to grab the wild card. But that schedule is a beast. And depending on what happens, you know, maybe maybe P.J. Walker gets comfortable with a few weeks of practice and, and starts doing the little things. Um you know, he missed some throws in that Colts game that are just super simple throws. And, like, if he can do that, then maybe this offense can do enough against some of these teams where you can continue to ride on their defense. I think the defense will bounce back. Um, but, man, I, I would still, yeah, I'm still putting the Bengals' odds a little bit higher. I mean, you got to look at it. It's very real here that, like, a 9-8 and eight team could make the playoffs because yeah. the Bills are 4-3, and three, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to take our three – Super Bowl contenders from each conference right now. But before we kind of launch into that, the Bills are four and three, and you don't feel good about what the Bills have been doing lately at all. And the defense without Milano, you know, Von Miller's kind of working his way back. They lost their best defensive tackle playing ball this year. Like you lose Tredavious at corner. Like it is, it's a, it's a shaky defense, man. So they're four and three. The AFC West doesn't even have a team at 500 behind Kansas City. And then you have the three and three Texans. Those are your second place teams. So yeah. if there's a year to see a nine and eight, maybe even two, 
potentially. That's the that's the time. Who are your three in the AFC? I mean, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Ravens are probably most logical uh, because they're leading their divisions. But um, it's really hard to count out Josh Allen that much. The Jags are five and two. Is it, who who are your th- who's your third team? Because I feel like Dolphins and Chiefs are a lock right now. Yeah, that's man, that's really hard. Um, Dolphins and Chiefs. I mean, I what the Ravens did to the Lions was yeah. And some of the balls that Lamar Jackson threw in that game, like, just drop back. I mean, he obviously had some of his patented scrambles just making stuff happen. But he threw a couple plays where he's just dropping back and going for progressions. And he's just late. He threw a ball to Mark Andrews that was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I – that's – that was the first time where I think I saw – like, watched – I didn't watch the full game, but having gone through some clips and some guys that were breaking it down on Twitter and seeing some of the throws that you're just like, well – that's a little terrifying. If Lamar is going to be playing at that level, and because I think everybody's sort of been waiting for like hit the the pat the pure passing game from him to take a big enough jump where you felt like okay he can, you know he can sit in the pocket and tear us apart too. And I don't know if it's you know fully on that level yet, but he's he's making some throws and doing some things, and he's healthy and you know, that Ravens team and their defense is good again. And I, so I honestly, I think Lamar is such a game changer when he's playing at that kind of level that um, even though their weapons still aren't the best, I mean, I think Zay Flowers has had a a nice season, but I, you know, Odell's been in and out with injuries and they just Nelson Aguilar show, I guess Nelson Aguilar, like just, yeah. So, um, you know, I think, and I think they're tops in the league before that Lions game, they dropped about a thousand passes in one game. So, um, I, you know, you just never know with their skill position, but Lamar to me, when he's playing at this type of level an MVP type of level is a complete game changer. Like he was when he won the actual MVP. So, um, he was electric in Cleveland that day. So yes, he was. Um, so I, I'm going to take them as my third right now. Okay. Hard to ignore, uh, what Lamar's doing, um, for sure. So they're the, Safest third team is the good way to put it. On the other side, the NFC, it's the Eagles and 49ers show. Although the 49ers, as we know, some some chinks in the armor here, but they still deserve some credit. Five and two, point against, point four numbers are solid. We'll see how they, they react when they get home. I'm very interested to see how they play the Bengals. Um, but you have two other teams at four and two, Cowboys and Seahawks. Bucks are three and three, and then everybody else is below 500. Who's your third team? Because it comes down to Detroit probably or Detroit since I say it wrong. And then (laughs) probably Dallas, but you've seen Dallas just get manhandled by the 49ers at home. And you watched Detroit just get absolute no showed against the Ravens. So it's hard to pick either of those teams, but if I had to pick one, I still want to believe in the Detroit lions that if they, if they, they have, I like their structure of their offense more than I like what Dallas is doing. And I think that if, if they get the raucous home environment going a little bit, I still think I believe in them. They'll, they'll obviously they're going to win this division. They'll get a home game in the playoffs instead of Dallas is certain to be a road team because the Eagles are going to win that division. I think I trust, I think I trust the lions more, which is a little crazy to think we're saying that in 2023, man. So right on, that's my third team. Who's your third team over here? I I like that. I also want to be a Lions believer. Um, 
And I think when you compare them to the Cowboys, I think the advantage, like you said, like Ben Johnson compared to Mike McCarthy, and I'll, I'll take one of those guys over the other one any day of the week at this point. I think, yeah, it's hard to trust the lines on the road. The lines on the road to me are, as we just saw, like they just do, you know, for whatever reason, if it's because they're outside the dome, weather's dropping a little bit. Golf is still a California boy at heart. Like, I don't know. I just don't trust them. So um, on the road, but I think, they have the weapons and sort of the structure where, yeah, I just like Dallas to me is just, they're like a, a, a fad that was cool. And now we've seen that fad, you know, for a couple of years and people are like, ah, all right, like we're moving on like a, like a fidget spinner, you know, maybe they're the fidget spinners of the NFL. where like Dak had his Renaissance, got his flowers playing really well. This offense is really good. And then they keep flaming out in the playoffs. And now you're just kind of like, I don't know. Dallas doesn't, isn't doing a lot for me anymore. So no. you guys were at, you guys were flabbergasted by my take in the preseason. I still think a, that they're going to flop. Take. I think they're going to flop. I think it's going to happen. They're going to miss the playoffs and they're going to get a itchy trigger finger on McCarthy is my, is no. my hunch. So I like that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to join you in believing in the Lions because I, I don't fully like, yeah, those teams sort of in the muddled middle. I can't believe the Falcons are four and three. I, it's going to be real interesting to see how the Bucks play the Bills on Thursday night. Yep. Um, the Vikings have come alive a little bit, and, and maybe this is we can transition a little nicely into just the 49ers in general um, as a team and how much you believe in them as a, as a legitimate like Super Bowl winning caliber team. Um, but shout out to shout out to QB one, Kirk Cousins. Uh played maybe one of the best games of his career. Uh oh, yeah. without Justin Jefferson. My boy was throwing dimes out here. Um just dicing so up inbreakers, man. This guy off play action. Up. Jordan yeah. Addison. Those two Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson together are are a problem. Um I'm curious though, after you know, there was a lot of, oh, the weather was bad. Oh, I couldn't grip the football. Uh, you know, the 49ers on the other coast type of thing, which I think in bits and pieces is legitimate. Like that was, the, the weather was indeed bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Purdy, I think, missed some throws by like way more than you would expect him to miss. Um, but I'm, I, my biggest concern would be if I was a 49ers fan and I was watching that team would be if the, if they're down, in the fourth quarter and you're sort of asking Brock to like go do more stuff out of structure than you're used to, uh, man, he, he threw some tough passes yeah. on those last two drives against the Vikings. And I just wonder, he's still so young. He still has not played any football, but it's like, you know, you just sort of wonder like, can he bring, if, if they're down in the fourth quarter, is he going to be able to like calmly and methodically, take that team down the field. Um, I know they didn't, they haven't had Debo for, you know, they had him for about a quarter in the Browns game than they didn't have him last week. But um, that would be my biggest concern because yeah, he was forcing some balls and he was looking a little panicky and um, that's not great. Where, where do you come out? Do you think this is just sort of a, a downswing? Do you think there's something a little more maybe that's kind of teams are figuring out a little bit with Brock now that there's, a good amount of film on him. Where are you at? I think pretty regression was always going to happen. I, I, he's not quite talented. Like you said, he will make, he is a, let's put it this way. He's a version of Kirk in a younger phase. I see a lot of Kirk in him in a younger version needs experience. Needs to see as much ball as he possibly can. 
And if you ask Kirk to go chase 20 points in the second half, you know, good luck, right? The, the, yeah. Those yeah. those situations when somebody's painting up what you're trying to do and you got to find another answer that's not painfully obvious off of structure, that's when you run into some issues. That's when you run into some issues. So I always thought Purdy sort of a regression. The turnover-worthy stuff was really lucky for a long time. And I'm going to be honest, I, I don't think I take the 49ers nearly as serious as the Eagles. So like, whereas the AFC side, because of the limitation of the weapons around Mahomes, it's Kelsey and kind of a bunch of Jags. I take the Dolphins as a serious threat to them. Have to yep. see it and still think some lingering teams can get healthy and get better. I continue to look at the Bills. think the Ravens, you know, we're talking about that. I don't think the gap is wide there. I think the NFC gap is decent here i really do and i know jalen hurts is dealing with a knee here but i just think the eagles are in operation they know if they get home field advantage they're going to have the 49ers right where they want them on the east coast and i just um i just think that, that they're they're further away in their conference than the afc side is and i feel pretty comfortable saying that so i like the 49ers i think they're going to win that division they're going to get a home game or two, but I don't view them as serious Super Bowl contenders. I just like you could see the look on Kyle's face when Brock made a couple of those throws in the fourth quarter. Like oh, there's yeah. there's a realization at some point that this kid is not as gifted as we thought he was, and you know, and maybe they know that, right? They probably know that, but they, he's going to have to make. They know that. Yeah, he's got to make some throws though, and when he's got to make those throws, and, and again, that's what Flores did. We're going we're gonna to cover zero this kid. We're going to make him feel pressure. We're going to force him to make throws down the field accurately. That's what the Browns did. They funneled him. They played cover one, middle sit linebacker, middle sit safety, keep guys off the sidelines, make him make a ton of throws over the middle. Eventually, he's going to miss one or two. He missed two. Yep. Missed one Martin Emerson's lap. Missed one that his wide receiver just got a hand on to keep away from Greg Newsom. So that's the, that's the recipe to, to really make the 49ers uncomfortable. Teams know it. Can they play it? I think the Eagles going to get by or tells you they want to play it. We'll see. But that's the recipe to bottling up what the 49ers are doing. So I don't take them all too serious. We'll see if other contenders arise here, but I think we pin this down pretty well, man. Is there anybody we're missing? Anybody want to talk about? Uh, man, I don't think so. I think, yeah, the, some of the bottoms of these divisions are, I mean, the Chargers remain just a perpetual disappointment. Um, yeah, like Staley I, saying um, the other day that his football team had to reset and it was like, uh, hey, man, eventually they're going to do that, and you're going to be the, the, the course of action for the reset, brother. That's coming. Yeah, you are going – you're going to be the reset. You will uh, You will be ushered out the door. Yeah, I, that's, that a good, that's a good That's a good thing to bring up. Let's say who's the biggest disappointment so far. On the AFC side, you could make an argument for the Bills. The Chargers, but, I think, are the team that are the leaders in the clubhouse, though. I mean, I don't think it's yeah, close. No, do you? By far. I, I genuinely believe, like, I do not think it is hyperbole to say that Justin Herbert is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL, and they yeah. just cannot unlock him, unlock that offense. And, you know, yeah, like, when your specialty is defense, and that's why you got hired, and your defense is not that good. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It feels like maybe this this fit is tough. Um and yeah, I mean, you should be able with Herbert and I mean, Keenan Allen is older and maybe not getting separation like he once was. And they lose Mike Johnson, every not Mike Johnson, Mike Williams, excuse mm -hmm. me, every single year. It seems like he can't stay healthy. Um, 
So they've just never really, I think, both like given him the proper weapons, but also just they're stuck in quicksand, man. It yeah. just doesn't, I, I don't know. They're just perpetually been like that. You're just sort of waiting for them to, to kind of hit their stride and they don't. So and, I would say, yeah, super disappointed in the charges in the AFC. And in the, in the side that Staley's supposed to have made better over his course of time with the team is the defense, and they've never really gotten much better. They struggle nope. on that side of the football. So on the NFC side, it's not quite as clear. You could probably say the Giants at 2-5. and five. I mean, I had pinned them to be a step-back team when we did that pod, you mean, Andrew, early in the year. Um, yep. 2-5, and five, though, and an 85 points for 174 points allowed. I don't know if there's any team in the NFL that is under 100 points scored. The Bengals have 100 points scored, but they have a bye week. So the Patriots, that makes sense. We've watched what Mac Jones has struggled to do. And then the Bucks have 103 points for, but they're playing good defense, 104. So the 85 to 174, even the Panthers have 112 and 186. That's, yeah, that's, so 85 points four to 174. That has to be the team that is disappointed the most, even though yeah. I think you could see some of it coming. I don't even know if Daniel Jones would help. Some, some people close to the Giants seem to think that Tyrod Taylor is actually giving them a better chance than Daniel Jones. So that's probably your team on that side. It looks like they're going to, the question is, what do they do? Do they draft another quarterback? Even though they gave Daniel Jones this contract, I don't know if there's any outs, but they got to consider I, it. Yeah, there's there's not, and that's why I think you just are like, why? Last season was almost so detrimental to them, like them having success, because yep. it was such like I think everybody was pretty aware like that regression was going to come pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what they've done, like the money. I mean, I guess like with Saquon, that whole thing, but. Yeah, they just have, they've had some interesting decisions that they've made uh, of late. I would say the only other team that we just talked about, like, I mean, maybe you, people saw it coming because of how many one-score games Minnesota won last year. That is always ripe for, you know, teams from one year to the next. Records yeah. in one-score games um, are ripe for that type of regression. But man, you just sometimes, like, you look at a game like that against the 49ers and and when the Vikings are clicking and Kirk is on and they've got a lead and they're playing well, you're like, man, it's a good, that's a damn good football team. It's just yeah. not a week to week thing with them, but they get Justin Jefferson back and, you know, they've won a couple games in a row and they've sort of righted themselves a little bit. But I think early on when they were, oh, and did they start? Oh, and three, were they? Oh, and two, oh, and three. Um, so the Vikings started out, let me make sure I have the right, set up here so they started the year lost to the bucks lost to the eagles lost to the chargers yeah. and then beat the panthers chiefs got them and then they beat the bears in a close one and then they just beat the 49ers yeah, in a so close. they're that's... in a weird spot they're in a yeah. weird spot because it's like they were talking about you know Questy being able to rebuild and make some yeah. trades and on the fly like get rid of daniel hunter but then they go to green bay to atlanta host the saints go to denver host the bears that's five straight winnable games yep and then they go to the Raiders. That's six straight winnable games. So yeah. you wanted to believe like, oh, they could trade Kirk Cousins or that was one of your, your pipe dreams. Like that's not that's not happening. They're they're in a spot here where they can push. And if they made a, like a trade for a DB of some some significance, they, their secondary is um, not very good, right? No. They, they're, they're, they're not very good there. But they put them on they, – they stress their secondary more than anybody because Flores runs more cover zero than anyone in the NFL. So yeah. if they can – get some better production out of that. You could see a, a, a trend where maybe they can challenge the Lions a little bit. So, yeah, that's interesting. Looking ahead of schedules, we'll always tell you. That three that three of Justin Jefferson, uh, Jordan Addison, and TJ Hawkins, I mean, that's a legitimate 
That's a very good – they've got very good yep. weapons. Yeah, so they go on a little bit of a run here, and, yeah, that, that mindset probably shifts a bit. But for right now, they probably have not played up to – because even their wins, you know, Bears and Panthers, I mean, and, and then finally 49ers. But those first couple wins, not great. Uh, not against great teams. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's around the NFL. We looked around the AFC North. We talked about the Browns with what they have coming up with Seattle. Some great information here. We'll keep you posted throughout the rest of the week on the injury report, what changes, who's trending to play, who's not, and much, much more as we deep dive into the Seattle Seahawks and figure out how on earth the Cleveland Browns can go out there and get a win. It's a fun podcast, Jordan. I appreciate your time as always, my man. Yeah, man. It's nice to uh, to throw it back a little bit um, to the days when it was it was you and I, you know, just linking up every week, doing our thing, talking about Freddie Kitchens getting hired. So, you know, never oh, for man. never forget. Oh, <laughs> never, never We've been forget. doing this longer than we think. That's that's <laughs> the thing is uh, oh, I do goodness. remember there have been many. You and I have usually gotten together for the hard conversation pod. Yes, so we have, um, but I I think we did an emergency pod after he got hired, and I don't want to go back and listen to that. I'm going to tell you that nope. right now. We're coming up on a 1,000 episodes, but we're going to be one less because you just reminded me to go <laughs> that. one's getting that deleted. One, so. Yeah, that one's being wiped. Good stuff, man. All right, guys, appreciate Jordan for stopping by and you guys for stopping by as well. Two things I always say on the way out the door. $1 for your first month at the OBR. It's a promotion. Take advantage of it. See if you like the Browns community that we have formed. I think you will. We have a great addition to the staff coming soon. And then lastly, on the way out the door, rate and review the podcast. Helps Cooping Browns fans find it. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great Thursday. Go Browns. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.